tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Happy Monday. We have arrived another week, Monday, February 26th. I can't believe we're almost in March. This year is flying. Welcome, dosers. Those of you that are new here, lots of new subscribers over the weekend. So thank you so much. And if you're listening on the audio uh, platform, I got so many kind reviews. Like, I can't even explain to you. I have, there's a guy, Scott, that I work with and he helps with ads and everything. And he sends me them on text message every time he finds like a good one. Or if I look and I see a good review, there is such kindness out there. You guys like really know how to make my heart sing. Just like Morgan Wade's heart sing. You know, this is, we're going to talk about it. Don't you worry, we're going to get into it. Um, so if you haven't left a review, thank you so much for doing that and a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're over here on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, so many of you guys watch without subscribing. So let's just like, let's let's break through. Let's break through. I've been kind of, I feel like I've been plateaued, plateaued at a certain number and I'm ready to get the show on the road. And by on the road, I mean, just like move it up, you know, moving on up. So I, uh, let's see where we are right now. We are at, in terms of subscribers, we are at 14,302 subscribers, you guys. That's huge. Let's get to 15 by the end of March. Do you think that I can get to 15,000 by the end of March? Welcome, Lisa. She's a newbie. We love it. All right, you guys. We have so much to talk about just because it's a normal day, <laughs> a normal day. And of course, if you guys want to add anything, if you're watching the live stream or if you're ever just watching later and you want me to cover a topic, just leave a comment in the YouTube comments or over on Instagram, you know, the DMs. I get a lot of DMs over there. So I'm trying really hard to get over and get through them. But sometimes like they get overwhelming, right? Like I'll post something and then I'll come back and there'll be 30 new DMs. And I'm like, oh, so I try really, really, really hard to get to them. And I just want to let you guys know, it's never a personal thing if I don't respond to your DM. And if you ever really want me to respond to a DM, just FYI, just like um, give me a little nudge. Nudge? Nudge. I say nudge. You know, like say, hey, Donna. Hey, hey. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, just want to shout out this week's uh, sponsor of Daily Dose of Donna, and that is ZipRecruiter. You guys, do you know that Daylight Savings Time is starting up again for most states? The goal of Daylight Savings Time, and by the way, where do you guys live? Do you have Daylight Savings Time? Definitely, we have it here in California, and I cannot wait. I think it's March 8th is when the time changes because we need the later sunlight. Like, it really is a game changer for happiness. The goal is to give us more daylight from March through November. So by setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your rules any sooner. There's only one way to do that, and that's ZipRecruiter. So right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Donna, D-A-N-A. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Donna. And we've talked about this before, but it really works around the clock to find candidates for you. You post your job. They find all these people. They match you. You immediately can match people that you don't like, you like. you. It's like Tinder. It's Tinder for job searching. Um, lots of people need better people on their teams. There's no question. Um, 
So once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Donna, D-A-N-A, for free. You can try it. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So thank you, ZipRecruiter, for sponsoring Daily Dose of Donna. And if you want to support Daily Dose of Donna, you guys, here's another little tidbit. I've got merch. Have I told you guys about my merch? So I was wearing my In My Bravo era sweater. I, I have it in white. I love it so much. It's actually my favorite sweatshirt that I own. I'm telling you, the brands that my merch company uses for their sweatshirts, mwah, they're soft, they're cozy, they're amazing. And so I like it in white, although I kind of feel like I'm going to outreach to like a few different colors. But I wore it on Saturday to my kids' baseball game and basketball game. And I got so many people coming up to me and saying, where did you get that sweater? I was like, dailydosepod.com slash store. Hello, get in there. So I love when I just get a random email that someone has purchased my merchist. Like Merce is in the purse. You can purchase my merchist. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Okay, so let's get into a couple of the stories, a couple of the things going on. Let's start small. I was like starting small and working my way up, you know, it's like for the grand finale. Love is blind. We did not, sadly, have not gotten any new episodes since the 21st. I believe the last round comes out on the 28th. So in two days, I think. I'm pretty sure it's the 28th, Wednesday. Um, without knowing my guess, this is my guess for the couples. This is if you know any of the couples. This is my guess. I think in a weird way, I have a strange feeling that Jimmy and Chelsea end up together. I don't know why, but I do. Um, I also think uh, Clay and AD, well, I think Johnny and Amy, the ones that are scared of condoms, you know, the ones that don't know how to, uh, how to purchase, um, you know, uh, birth control that's not a pill. That's not hormonal. The ones who are still stuck in like 1972. I don't even know what's going on there. I think they get married. That's my guess. And then Clay and AD feel like they may get married. Jeremy, we definitely, I mean, we know that Jeremy and Lauren will not get married. Jeremy, the reason why I say that his name that way is because of the way he spells it. He spells it like J-E-R-A-M-I-E. I think he is a long lost Duggar brother. Remember, there's like Ginger and Jeremiah and Josiah and Josiah and Josiah and Josiah. And then there should also be Jeremy. Shouldn't he be in the Duggars? Anyway, they, uh, I don't think that they're going to end up together. There's no way. And we already know that Brittany and Kenneth broke up. And the way you guys killed me over the weekend with your Kenneth, Kenneth things. Remember, Kenneth addicted to his phone. You know, they say, might as well face it, you're addicted to Verizon. Um, it's it's interesting. Oh, my God. Supposedly, who gets married, Adriana? Listen, we're going to see it all this week. It, in addition to, of course, Traders left us with a cliffhanger. We've got some good TV up ahead of us. This week, we have. And I saw this schedule, and I was like, wait, what? On Wednesday... Do you know that we have the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion part one, followed by the Miami part one? And then Thursday is Miami part two. And then Summer House. Isn't that interesting? I think because we're, what they're going to do is starting next week, they're going to put Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion on Wednesday. And then like part two. And then I think they're going to go into the Bedded on Blonde series, the Erica Jane series. That's my thought. And I really don't care about it. I can't decide if I want to watch it or not. I don't think I do. Unless you guys tell me I have to. And when I say I have to, it means like you guys are forcing me to because it's so good. But if it's just a lot of it's expensive to be me, I can't. I just can't. I've told you this before. There's certain characters that I find dynamic, interesting, and watchable. Erica to me is not that. I don't know why. You would think she is because of her big personality and her big character, like Erica Jane, you know, Erica Girardi and her big storyline and emotional this and this and that. I don't personally believe that Erica Jane is all that interesting to watch. I find her um, devoid of like, let me think what it is. It's like 
relatability, maybe authenticity. Like Erica, even when she's crying, even when she feels like she's opening up and sharing her inner thoughts, still feels very much like a creation, right? Like a like a forced kind of like mold into something. Oh, I'm I'm interested to see it. Of course, Vanderpump Rules is still airing. You should have seen my face if you're only listening to this. I mean, I literally cannot. I have not thought about Vanderpump Rules all weekend. It's been so nice. Actually, I thought about this because you know I love Vanderpump Recaps, my girl who listens to the show every day. What's up, Dozer? She um, recaps every single podcast that the Vanderpump, the Vanderpump um, characters or like some of the characters, like the Rachels and the Billy Lees, like they all have podcasts, right? So she just recaps them all for us so that we don't have to sit through all of the hell. And she released something today on her Instagram that kind of just like, it was like a roundup of all the different characters um, or all the different podcasts. And none of them are interesting to me. No offense to, to my girl, Vanderpod Recaps. I cannot, I don't think it's, it's, I think it's going to be very hard to capture me back into Vanderpump rules. But, you know, Leslie's asking, do you watch the after shows? This is really interesting. I, they're on Peacock, I believe. I always see the clips online. So after these Bravo shows, after the Housewives, not, I don't believe they do it with every Housewives because I haven't seen it with, do they do it with like Potomac? I haven't seen it with Potomac, but I've seen it with Vanderpump and I've seen it with Beverly Hills. I don't know what other shows they do it on. Anyway, um, oh my God, Vanderpod Recaps is here. She's watching live. Hey, hey, I'm so happy you're here. Um, so I don't know if every single show watches the, the uh, does the after show, but the after shows are very revealing. They're very revealing because for some reason it's like, it's better than a confessional when they're filming the show because at this point they've watched the shows and they can kind of react to what they feel after watching the shows and also after months of going through real life. So we end up finding a lot more about it, but I don't sit through and watch them, but that's like the where we got that clip, remember last week, of Kyle Richards talking shit about Sutton and, you know, Merce and feeling like Sutton was you know, just using Merce as a storyline, which I didn't really like, but we would have never gotten that side of Kyle. It's almost like they go, they get a little more spicy. They get a little more authentic and real over there. So actually, Vanderpod Recaps, if you have any extra time in your busy, busy schedule because you have to listen to 475,000, you can always um, go on over to, uh, you should start a new recap Instagram that is after show recap. Because it's like, how do we have the time? How do we have the time to watch it all? I mean, I do. <laughs> I find the time. You know what I realized? This is a tip for any of you all, which I think you're all like me because I feel like that's how these things work. We all connect and relate to people that are similar to us, that we feel relatable with in some capacity. So I feel like you guys are just like, we're all together, right? We're all in this together. We're all... Okay, Um. so I am... Like I have a little bit of ADHD, okay? I have the kind of personality where it's very, very hard for me to sit still and watch a show without doing something while I'm watching. That's why I like podcasts. That's why I like audiobooks. That's why I like even YouTube premium. That's what I do. I subscribe to YouTube premium so I can turn my phone, you know, like turn the screen off and stick it in my pocket and go on a walk, but I can still hear YouTube shows. It's like, quick tip and you get no commercials. So YouTube premium should, you know, hook a sister up. But the point is that I like to multitask, but I have so many shows that I need to be watching. And this is where I got like a little bit in trouble here. Cause I'm like, how can I live my life and do things while watching shows? Guys, this was the savior. Number one, I watched 97% of my shows now on my phone. Pop an AirPod in, AirPod in. So I'll wash dishes while watching a show. I'll, you know, I can't really like go on a walk while watching a show. That's not enjoyable for me. I want to be able to really look at it. I have started to do puzzles. Yep. Jigsaw puzzles. And last night, when I tell you I watched three episodes of the Wendy Williams documentary to do it, to, to completing my doc, my puzzle of the South of France, 
this was the key. I had no idea that this was like the way that I can feel occupied, busy with my hands and using my phone and being able to be present still in the house with my kids, not like tied up in my room in the bed. It's like, I, had a little, I feel like a little bit just between us. I feel almost a little lazy watching TV in the middle of the day. Does anyone else feel that way? Like I feel like if the sun's up or if it's still daytime, like I shouldn't be watching TV. I don't know what's wrong with me. But if it's on my phone, I feel like I'm not watching TV. It's just like I'm on my phone. Another thing is my walking pad. I have a walking pad. You guys can get it if you want it. It's the, the link is in my Amazon store. This walking pad is right in front of my desk here. On, you can't see it, obviously, in my office. It can slide under the couch right here. And I have a TV right over there. And so I will walk a mile while I watch a show. Genius. Okay. Next is shuffleboard. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we will talk about the Wendy Williams documentary in just a bit. It is incredibly, um, devastating. Absolutely devastating. We'll get into that in just a moment. Let's talk a little bit about this Kyle and Marie. Oh no. What I wanted to say about love is blind earlier, which I completely got distracted. Shocker. Welcome to daily dose of Donna. Um, is this story. Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy Presnell. He is Chelsea's guy. You remember Megan Foe? Megan Fox? Megan Fox's husband, boyfriend, we don't know what ended up happening. Jimmy. He also got a really bad like viral TikTok. There's all these viral things that are coming out about all these guys' past, right? Apparently, Jeremy uh, Duggar was engaged and living with a woman and her son in a house while he applied to be on the show. They broke up by the time he was on the show, but still, that story was never told to Lauren That, as far as we know. Then Trevor, the guy that looks like Mr. Pixar, you know, big muscular Gaston, he apparently had a girlfriend the entire time that he shot the show and was in on it with her and was texting her back and forth about the fact that he was going on the show when he was doing it just like just to get, you know, like a job, basically. I'm going to go on the show just like a job. And that's interesting. And I'm curious to see, you know, how that how that's going to go for him. The next one is there is a whole TikTok with this girl who was basically insinuating that she was with Jimmy. Now, let me tell you something. Jimmy ain't that much of a prize, right? We're, we're all kind of under the same... We're all under the same like assumption about Jimmy, right? Like I told you this last week, but he's kind of living his everything's okay. I'm really happy. And he looks like he's being tortured. Like he is like he's in a torture chamber. And I love and I've never been happier with Chelsea. He's so scared. So Jimmy blasts a viral TikToker that is pretending to be his girlfriend. This is something that I think could be a little problematic. There are people out there that go on to TikTok and they start to like pretend almost that they are with these people. And I find it really, I mean, it's a great way to go viral and it's a great way to like up your following. Maybe I should do that. You know what? Maybe I should do a TikTok that I'm like, guys. Craig Conover is, is actually my boyfriend. Paige is, or I can say Paige is my girlfriend. Like we can all do that, right? Like we, we all can. <laughs> um, I can't say that out loud, Andrew, but I'll just throw it up on our YouTube comments right here. So if you're interested, you can come over here at the 17 minute mark and watch what Andrew said. Whoa. Um. <clears throat> <laughs> he has asked fans, Jimmy Presnell has asked fans to report a TikToker who went viral pretending to be a secret girlfriend after she amassed 18 million views for the post. And you guys, these are paid views, you know? It all began on February 16th when a woman called Ryan Stringfellow uploaded an expletive-filled video alleging without naming him that the 28-year-old software sales associate was cheating on her on the hit Netflix show. She goes, imagine my effing surprise when I turn on the new season of Love is Blind this morning and I see my effing boyfriend, the Houston resident claimed, why the F is my man on TV? And why the F is he on a dating show talking to other women? Obviously, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I still think he's the love of my life and we can work past this. So like, I'm not going to say his name, but holy F, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I never really believed it because you don't find your ex or your current fiance on Love is Blind, go on TikTok to say it and then say he's still the love of my life. Like there's something amiss. Just saying. Anyway, so he's blasting her saying that that's not the case. Um, Let's talk for a second. And I, I'm, I, I can only really give just a few seconds towards the show. And I swear, you guys, I tried. I'm trying so hard. Last night I had to turn off Wendy Williams to watch Potomac because it's Potomac. And like, you know, it's one of our real housewives. And it used to be good. Remember, like, I miss, I miss it being good. You guys. Potomac yesterday, for the most part, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I would say that Real Housewives of Potomac for like 98% of Potomac was such filler content. This show feels truly like they have nothing. I feel like we're watching, you know how like um, you can go to the grocery store and you can buy like Uh, dried fruit that's the fruit that like is the leftover fruit and it's it's like you know it's like the bruised fruit and then they'll make dried fruit this is what I feel like we're watching we're watching like additional footage episodes I really truly believe that it feels like we're watching you know how they try to do that sometimes never before seen footage just like trying to like give us another episode it's so incredibly uninteresting They talk, again, they have a stupid game. And again, they talk about their sex lives. And if I have to know that your third brown butthole, I think it's called that. (laughs) Oh, no, not not butthole. Oh, I messed it up. Your eye hole, your eye, your third eye. (laughs) And Karen Huger's like, I've never heard that. It is. I don't want to know about these women's sex lives in this way. I really don't. Not Potomac, not Beverly Hills, not in uh, Atlanta, not uh, Miami. I feel this way about all of the shows. Do we not have more interesting content to talk about than their sex lives in every episode? It's all, (laughs) I can't believe I said third butthole. It's all recycled, same old, same old. It's like deja vu every episode of this Potomac season, and I can't handle it. Now, one moment that I thought was quite interesting was when Ashley Darby came up, stood up, and belted out a song. Now, I was watching it, I almost feel, and I always think this about Potomac, like I was sober, I was clear, I was also puzzling. But why is it that I can remember every single little scene of that Wendy Williams documentary when I was puzzling, but I have no memory really of Potomac except for Ashley jumping up and going like, you know, um, what did she say? What was the song? She's like, I'm an empowered woman. I I mean, I can't remember the song. It was it was strong. She has a good voice. Listen, I wouldn't say she's Candace in her voice. Candace nails it. And actually, I was pretty surprised Candace and was being very sweet with Ashley last night. Normally, she has like a little bit of an issue with her, right? But she was being really sweet with her. But like, that was a moment that I thought was kind of interesting. She also mentioned, Ashley Darby mentioned Luke for the first time. Do you guys remember Luke Galbernson, I think is his last name, from um, Summer House, my Wisconsin uh, like fire guy. He's always like, you guys want to start a fire? I think he's Wisconsin. I don't know. And um, she mentioned him. She's like, well, I just broke up with Luke. I'm like, give us more of that. Like, why are we hearing more stories about her and Luke being together? Now, there was a serious conversation that happened at some point when they were all together. Um, Couldn't tell you where, couldn't tell you what, but it was Giselle. Giselle was talking about how her daughter was just, had just graduated high school and was moving to call it going to school in college. I mean, in Florida. Okay. In Florida. Now, I don't know when this was shot, the show. I don't know if it was like summertime last year around that time, but it doesn't matter at the point. The conversation was really around the fact that Giselle felt very confident sending her daughter to Florida, but some of the other girls, specifically Wendy had brought up, don't you feel nervous about sending your daughter there, given the fact that they're going through a a very heightened 
um, increased aggression, violence towards black, you know, uh, black human beings, basically, you know, because of the governor and everything. So let me read it. So Giselle said she was proud that her daughter Grace was going to attend an HBCU, a historically black college and university, but advised her to say, stay safe. Giselle said, Florida is in my mind, a whole mother country of its own, the way the governor down there is acting like a fool. But she says, I think my baby girl will be okay. Um, Wendy said, I just think from my lens, it's not the best state right now. Florida, where black and brown people are being killed without cause, and they are justifying their killing by saying that Florida has stand your ground. I wouldn't send my black boys there. And Giselle says, I think my baby girl will be okay. Um, Giselle says that her daughter had already encountered a lot of racism in Maryland. Karen Huger says, you can't really give into the tactic of racism, but I'm praying for grace. Karen told Nyeka, Nyeka, 36, why does it say their age in this article? Karen told Nyeka, and it also says Karen's age. It says, Karen Huger, 60, said, like, isn't that interesting? Have we talked about that? Why are they putting women's ages in every article that they're in? Like, why does it matter? Karen told Nyeka that everyone in the group supports one another. Giselle said they should also call out each other when they fall short. Oh, now it's just going into the end of the rest of the conversation in the, in the, um, about the grand dom. See, that's the thing. Even articles about Potomac don't have enough content to talk about Potomac. Now I obviously don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to knowing the situation in Florida. Why? A, I live in California. B, I don't, I haven't been to Florida in 10, 15, 20 years I also am not a, um, I'm not a black woman, right? You know, but I've seen the news and I see exactly what's going on there. And I think it's a valid concern. I actually totally think it's a valid concern to be like, are we, are we concerned to send a black, you know, girl, a black person to a college in a state where there is heightened aggression towards black people? And I think that it's it's very understandable that you would have these conversations. I thought it could open it up for, you know, a bigger conversation. Um, I like how Giselle stood her ground and was like, I trust my daughter and I trust. But, you know, you guys may have better uh, insight on what's going on in that state or what was going on in that state. Um, lots of you guys and I don't want to like call you up, but a lot of you guys in the comments here and in my Facebook group who live in Florida and are minorities have said that this is not the way it is. This is not the case. And a lot of you that are in the minorities or a minority and you live in Florida feel that it is. So this is a, this just goes back to kind of like where your perception is if you feel safe in certain situations. I am a big believer in finding schools that actually do, schools, locations that do feel safe for whatever it is that you are and that you are studying for. That is not, it's so sad that we even have to have these conversations in 2024 is the truth. I mean, at the end of the day, we should never have to feel nervous for being a certain way in a certain place. But I know that, you know, I belong to a, a Facebook group about anti-Semitism on college campuses and my kids are very young, but if this is still the case, you know, in a few years when they're going to college, that is a conversation that I would definitely be interested in, in going deeper. And I think it makes sense. Um, but yeah, a lot of your comments, and this is really interesting because I want you guys to understand, I speak from a white person's perspective. I don't have that perspective that I, whether or not like I would feel safe if, because I can't speak from that perspective. Emily here in the comments says, I'm a black person. This is the first I'm hearing about this in Florida. So that's the thing. Um, now, there were more conversations later where they kind of made it a more of, of a story between the girls because they were saying that Candace and Wendy were kind of making faces during, um, you know, Giselle talking about this. But I don't know. I don't know. It's very, very interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of you guys are commenting. JJ says, I've been to Tallahassee multiple times and I felt safe for the most part. I'm from Orlando and more things happen in the bigger cities in Florida. 
Also, Tallahassee is more liberal leaning. Is that where that school is? Is it in Tallahassee, JJ? So I think just like a lot of other uh, states, you kind of can't call an entire state a certain thing. I think there's always going to be cities that lean certain ways, areas that feel more unsafe. Like you could look at San Francisco versus San Diego, two states, I mean, two cities that are in California, and you could see completely different demographics, different crime, different everything. So it's very hard to put it under an entire state policy, whether or not the governor leans a certain way. But it will be interesting to know, you know, what it is. Um, all right. So Potomac really left me with no lasting impression other than that conversation, which is like when they said next week on Potomac, I was like, wait, it's over. Like I kept waiting for the story to happen. I just really found, okay. Florida A&M is in Tallahassee. Thank you. I just really found it uneventful. I found it boring and I found it like, I'm not interested. I'm watching it because it's on TV and cause it's a Bravo show, but I'm not watching it because I want to. Right. So we, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, dynamic over there, but they have to do some major shifting. I think on Potomac for it to actually last. I think Potomac is, is, uh, deep diving quick. And when I say deep diving, I mean, nose diving, we're nose diving on Potomac. Let's talk Kyle and Mauricio. So we know that Kyle and Mauricio have been alluding to, you know, the separation this entire season on Bravo. We've gotten bits and pieces. We've gotten pretty much nothing as long-term, long-time Bravo fans, viewers, and watchers of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I feel like we've been gypped, especially because just now they're releasing the trailers of Buying Beverly Hills for March 22nd is when it airs. Now think about this, and I knew this was going to happen because my friend Michelle is on the show and she's in the extended trailer if you guys have seen it. So basically what it is, is they have, where are we? We're in February 26th. So February 26th, okay, the la- the, the first episode of the reunion will be February 28th. Then, March 6th will be episode two. March 13th will be episode three. And then the following Friday is Buying Beverly Hills. Netflix has been holding off airing this until this air date of Beverly Hills reunion wraps up. And this is exactly why. Because Beverly Hills is just giving us a little bit of insight into everything. And March 22nd, we're going to get the real story. Because it sounds to me like Buying Beverly Hills has secured the rights to the Kyle and Mauricio drama. From this, we've already heard Kyle saying, multiple times, I mean, Mauricio saying to his daughters, like, I didn't want the separation to happen. Your mom wants this divorce. We've seen the scene where he's talking to his three daughters outside in the backyard. Then Kyle, we see a scene in the trailer where Kyle is sitting at dinner with all the girls saying like, obviously, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys about this together. I'm really sorry that this happened. Um, and Mauricio is talking about it with another guy who's like, how do you think this is going to, you know, affect business? Um, I think it only can affect business in one way, and that's more publicity for the agency. So I think it's fantastic for business. Buying Beverly Hills is going to explode. They're going to get so many more people watching this time than they did last season because of this separation. The separation is a dream for that show. So why do we think that Kyle agreed to give Netflix more insight into the separation than Bravo? Now, we haven't seen the reunion yet, and according to Garcelle, we're going to get some information in the reunion. We're going to get something. But why do you guys think? it's? I find it very interesting that after so many years and such a connection with Bravo that Kyle decided to hold off on giving all the information to Netflix, or do you think it happened to just be shooting schedules coincided perfectly for this? Interesting. I have no idea. Now, Mauricio, meanwhile, is embarrassing himself left and right. Okay, you guys? I can't get over how unhinged Mauricio's social media content is. It's giving midlife crisis. It's giving newly single after 27 years. And I don't know how to use Instagram. It's giving, oh, you can use filters. It's giving funky dance moves. Chelsea Handler, my girl Chelsea, I love her. She was um, celebrating her 49th birthday skiing over the weekend. She loves to ski. We know this. She's skiing in a bikini, holding a dog, not only in her backpack, 
she's holding another dog in her hands. She's smoking a joint. She's drinking on the slopes. And because she was in a bikini, all of a sudden, I just had a flashback to Mauricio. Remember when he went to Aspen right after the separation and was um, filming Lele Pons and the other girl, Anita, going down the slopes? In their bikinis, I was like, oh, my God, or in their little towels or whatever. I I just, like, was convinced that Mauricio was the camera operator behind Chelsea's bikini skiing moment. That it was amazing. Mauricio is, like, he's unhinged. He's difficult to watch. He's lost all levels of hotness. All his hotness has disappeared. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I don't know what's going on with him. And... You know, honestly, it's probably making it very easy for Kyle to say I made the right decision here. No offense. Now, there's been all these rumors about what what Sutton actually passes out for, like gets her little, like her shaking moment on the reunion set. Because in the clips, you see that Sutton's looking up and someone walks by with a plaid shirt. A lot of people are like, I think it's Morgan Wade. I think Morgan Wade comes out at the reunion. I do not think Morgan Wade comes out at the reunion. I think the plaid shirt that Sutton sees is production. I think they got a clip of Sutton looking up with someone, a crew member, a makeup artist, a mic person, sound person, light person walking past. And she just kind of like looked up at him. Maybe it was during that moment, right before she was starting to like shake. Maybe it was after, maybe it was before, maybe it was two hours before. Who knows? It's very good editing. Because it definitely isn't Ka- uh, Kathy Hilton. At first, people thought the way it was edited, Kathy Hilton walks in, Sutton starts shaking. I don't think so. I think it was a totally separate thing. I don't think Morgan shows up to the reunion. I don't believe that Kyle and Morgan are going to come out at the reunion. Um, I don't believe Kyle is going to announce her relationship with Morgan anytime soon um, unless they get this magazine cover, which may coincide perfectly with buying Beverly Hills airing its first episode. We'll have to see. Um, okay. Now the text, we talked about this, I believe on my Patreon live YouTube on Friday. Thank you guys so much for joining that. That was so much fun. By the way, I'll do that more often. So if you joined my Patreon, I went live on YouTube and did a Q and a, and just like chatted with you guys, the Patreon members. So make sure to join. So in addition to get those weekly episodes, you'll also get some of those and you'll, you can still watch the episode. I talked about everything I talked about. Um, you know, this text, I talked a lot about Kyle Mauricio. I talked about Heather McDonald and Jeff Lewis and that Patreon. Like I, I went in on it. So I believe that this text message basically in the green room or in the backstage dressing room area before the show started, before they started filming, Dorit was getting an IV because it's Dorit. Someone sent me a DM saying like, really? She needed an IV. And I'm like, it's Dorit. It's like hydration, but chic. Let's make it chic. So Dorit got a text message from Kyle. She alludes to it in the trailer. We've seen that already where she says like, I just got a text from Kyle that I find manipulative. But in this extended version of this trailer, and actually I wonder if I'm able to find it and I can just play it for you guys because I don't know exactly where the, um, I believe I know which, um, which account posted it, but I don't want to search and search and search until I'm ready for it. So give me one second. But basically in this text message, she's telling Erica, Dorit is sharing this text message with Erica. Now, Erica is like, wow, this is a novel. And it really is. It's long. It is a long ass text. And basically she says in this text message a lot, including um, I feel like you, you know, I haven't been there so much for you, but you, I've been really going through a hard time and I hope you understand. I'm so sorry. I haven't been there for you, but please don't bring this up at the reunion. This is not about the reunion, the reunion. <clears throat> I don't think that you should know about it. They don't know. They shouldn't know about it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's giving a feeling of, um, It's giving a feeling of Dorit. Okay, there's two things that I want to say about this. The text message on its own is very, I think, manipulative. Could it be real and heartfelt? Yes. But the fact that Kyle did not reach out to Dorit for months and then sent her a text message 
right before the reunion, the day before, in the hopes that Dorit kept this between them, that Kyle hasn't been a good friend to her, does feel like, you know, oh shit, let me just try to like save face in the last moment before I can do it. Now, Bethany. Bethany went on her TikTok and let and let out, and I just posted a long TikTok about this in reaction to Bethany's insane hypocritical behavior. So Bethany went in on a long TikTok talking about how Bravo really did Kyle so dirty because they aired a text message that is so personal, so invasive, so guttural, so heart-wrenching. Okay. Number one, this is not the first time we've seen a private text on Real Housewives or Vanderpump or any of these Bravo shows. In fact, a lot of times they insert the text message in the editing. They like pop it up on it as a bubble on the screen, okay? We've seen that a million times. We've also seen, do you guys remember Lisa Vanderpump pulling out her big papers of Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy texts? Remember when she printed them out and there were like really large text messages? We've seen this over and over and over on every single reunion. This is not surprising and this is not shocking. If you send a text over to a friend who's on a housewife show and you're on a housewife show, most likely that text is like fair, like, you know, free for all. Also, let's not forget the episode where Bethany decides to share a private text message from her friend with a picture of Luann's fiance, Tom, making out with a girl at the Regency. And Bethany decided to share that guttural, heart-wrenching, personal, invasive information to Luann on camera. Okay? Bethany has no leg to stand on here. Bethany only has Aviva's leg to stand on. Okay? There is absolutely nothing that Bethany can say in these situations that actually rings true because Bethany was the first of many people to have these kinds of conversations, to do, to throw people under the bus on camera. And then, and I posted it all on my TikTok, which she knew the whole weekend, did not share it to Luann at all, finally shared it to her on camera, shared it to her friend's before she shared it to Luann, she shared it to Carol and Ramona. Then she hysterically cried in bed <laughs> as if it was killing her more than Luann to Carol and uh, Ramona and Sonia. And then in the middle of that scene gives, I need to drink. Give me something to drink. I have a bottle over there. It happens to be Skinny Girl sold in all local Kroger's. Skinny Girl is the most disgusting margarita, by the way. I'm just going to say. Just going to say. So <sighs> Bethany drives me mad when she has this revisionist history shit. Did you see Bethany getting trolled by Travis Kelsey's dad over the weekend? Bethany is posting all about how Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift should not be together because Travis Kelsey, something about peacocking. I don't even know. It sounds sexual. And um, Ed Kelsey posted on his Twitter, like, who the F is this troll about Bethany? Ah, uh, so good. So good. All right. Um, anyway, do I think the text message should have been shared? I don't know. I don't think half of what we see on Housewives should happen, honestly. But this is the name of the game. And Jareet needed to stand up for herself. And honestly, Jareet has been painted by Kyle left and right as a bad friend, as someone that has not, um, I'm sorry, not a bad friend, uh, as not a good friend to Kyle. She's made Kyle, like Kyle has made Jareet look so stupid, I feel like, this entire season because she's like, not the season, but the after the season. She's like, Dorit and I are not that close. Like, this is not that big of a deal. And Dorit's finding out left and right. She hasn't been invited to anything. She's not close with Kyle. And she's feeling, she's feeling, um, you know, duped. And so Dorit needs to stand up for herself. Dorit needs this paycheck more than anyone on that cast. So, you know, she's like, I'm going to insert myself back in this conversation. The Fox Force 5 is gone, you guys. There's the Fox Force no one now. It's just, it's just Kyle. It's Kyle standing around on her own. And I'm telling you, I have never in my life seen a housewife get turned on as much as I've seen the fans' reactions to Kyle in the last week. Like Kyle was, for the most part, a loved-on housewife. And now something has happened in this last week because of the way that she's kind of like spun all of this. And her appearance on Watch What Happens Live was just horrendous for her and her treatment of Sutton and saying that Sutton is mean to her, which she's not. It's all like kind of backfired, I think, into her face. And um, 
Kyle's getting a very, very, very bad fan reaction. And it's unbelievable to watch. I mean, it's really like, it's crazy to watch the world turn on Kyle. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. And I, uh, I worry. Well, I worry that I think Dorit is in the right. I really do. You're going to send her that text. Like she's got to stand up for herself too. Just saying we're all, everyone will throw someone else under the bus at, at any point on these shows. And that's the unfortunate thing about these shows is that it really is a, uh, doggy dog. That's the only thing Bethany has right is that it really is like a zero sum game. Like you basically have to take someone down in order to be relevant on that show. And one season you're the most liked and the next season you're not the most liked, but I seriously still, still want Kyle on that show because Kyle to me is very, very, very interesting to watch on TV. I just do think she is. Okay. Let's um, talk about Wendy Williams and this documentary. Okay, guys. I have not finished the fourth episode. I have about 10 minutes left, but I can kind of assume where it's going um, unless something massive and crazy happens at the end. This is, I don't even want to say the word train, train wreck because a train wreck gives it, gives a little bit of like a entertaining factor to it. I do, I feel, oh, this is interesting. Natalie says, you just don't like Kyle. Everything she does is wrong with you. Well, Natalie, I just want to share something. I just said this. Sorry to go back to Kyle really fast. I just shared this. I am obsessed with watching Kyle. I find her incredibly interesting, but I don't agree with a lot of her choices. That doesn't mean I don't like her. There's a lot of people who I don't agree with their choices. Kyle to me is super, super interesting. and. Uh, I want to watch all of her things. So I don't think that that's necessarily a true thing that I don't like her. I actually, I've said it before many, many times that there's a lot about Kyle I like. But just the way that she's gone through this whole process of the separation and the Morgan has really turned me. Um, I've heard just too much. I just know too much and I've heard too much that it's just upsetting to me. Okay, back to Wendy. We're not going back to Kyle now. Wendy Williams. It was not in any way entertaining. And I say that honestly. I watched it, but it was not entertaining in any capacity. It was devastating to watch. It felt way, way too exploitative. It felt absolutely like it's crossed the line over what is fun TV, good TV, interesting TV to, oh, we're just literally watching like an episode of Intervention, yet there's no like like Intervention and Happy Ending. It is really interesting. Leslie, just tell me in a sentence or two if you can. It was really, really Tragic. Now, I've talked about this before. When Wendy Williams was on air, I'm not personally a huge fan of talk shows. So like I was thinking to myself, I was talking to Lance about it and I was like, I never really watched it that much. And he's like, why? And I said, I don't know, but I guess I don't really watch Kelly Clarkson. I don't watch, I never really watched Ellen. I mean, I would, I'll watch clips. I never watched, um, I watched Oprah, but that was like when a lot, so many years ago, you know, I, I really don't watch talk shows because I only find like the clips interesting. Definitely don't watch Drew Barrymore. Um, it, I know Wendy Williams was incredibly important for a lot of you guys. I know Wendy Williams really, really took, um, and I get it watching the clips and like hearing what people said about her in the documentary now, because you know why she never portrayed perfection. And she never portrayed, I'm better than you. She was always like a woman of the people. She was so, um, she loved like meeting her fans and doing it for the fans. Um, from what I'm seeing, just like from clips and stuff, she mentions even in the, her state that she's in now, she was like, 
I am black, but this is not for a black crowd. I love black people. I love Puerto Rican people. I love Asian people. I love Jewish people. I love short people, small people, tall people. Like you can feel that. And I can see why that would be very, very good um, and fun and just like friendly to watch. She felt like a friend to everyone. And she talked so openly on the show about like her, her, the death of her mother and alcoholism and her husband. And, um, didn't she maybe like miscarriage? I can't remember specifically what it was. Maybe something about like babies. She was very, very, uh, real. She was really real. And I think that that is a quality that a lot of people don't have in this online, you know, not online. Well, yeah, online, but like TV space. And I think that that's really important. Yes. And she also, as, as Rojay says here, she was also really funny. So she was entertaining and she was funny and all of that. Now, towards the end of her career on the, on the talk show, she started to get obviously really bad health issues. It started with that public fainting. She fainted. Remember when she had like the Statue of Liberty outfit on? And sure enough, this woman has struggled with alcohol. It is so clear through this documentary. But even before, there was all these articles that had come out that basically the staff was saying they were finding hidden bottles of alcohol under the tiles in the ceiling, like in the desks everywhere. This woman, supposedly Wendy, would go to work and especially after the falling apart of her relationship with her husband, which I don't know what year that was, but she would go to work, she would come home and she wouldn't be seen again. She would go into her bedroom and start drinking and she wouldn't be seen again until 5 a.m. the next day. She essentially lost um, control over her life because of this disease of alcoholism. Plus, she does have physical illnesses as well. I guess, according to a couple of you, there was a... um you know, a thyroid issue and lots of other, you know, issues that could be caused. My guess, it could be autoimmune, but alcohol is the last thing that you want to do when you're already struggling with autoimmune diseases. Like the, the, you know, the early onset of any of this stuff just gets really, really exaggerated when you drink. And I don't think it's, this is an occasional drink. This is, to me, it's severe, severe morning through night alcoholism. Um, Essentially what happens is she lets this documentary crew in with the agreement of her manager, Will, and her family who are also very heavily involved in the documentary, her niece and her son and her nephew and uh, her dad. These are all people that are interviewed, her best friend, her lifelong best friend. And essentially they're doing this documentary because they really want her to have a comeback. They want her to have a strong comeback. She um, is not in a condition to have a comeback. At this point. And I don't believe the documentary producers, well, maybe they would have because they knew they were going to get incredible, like just shocking footage. But these document, the, the timeline was a little skewed for me watching the show. Like I kind of couldn't tell where we were, when we were, what year, what month. But this is all in the last couple of years. It was like right after COVID. I guess COVID was really the downfall of her show when she went, you know, when she was doing the show from home. It was a nightmare according to the guy who was her DJ, DJ Booth, I think it's Booth. He watched over her and he was like the cameraman and the DJ and he had to do everything. She didn't want anyone else in her house and it was like a hot mess and she was forgetting people's names and, you know, she was having interviews, for example, with Barbara Corcoran from um, Shark Tank and it's just like, it's a hard watch because she just clearly cannot really string sentences together. She ended up, I guess around that time, almost dying. She was passed out with alcohol. DJ Booth and a couple other people saved her life, took her to the hospital. She got these blood transfusions. And since then, she hasn't been back to, I think she went back maybe a little bit to the show, but that she is not capable. They ended up bringing in guest hosts and then they pulled her off the air. She is not capable of even having one coherent conversation. 
this is a tragic thing on a level that like, it's why, to be honest, it's why I don't watch shows like Intervention. It's why I can't watch shows like Hoarders or Intervention or any of those shows that are really tragic storylines because they leave me feeling really just like empty and ill inside. She has some good people in her lives, okay? She has, from what we can see, a niece, a nephew, and a son who love her dearly and who want the best for her. Unfortunately, they don't have any control over her. I don't believe anyone has any control over Wendy. She has a guardianship, but because of this guardianship, she's kind of like left on her own. Her kids can't really help her. Like no one can really take care of her and no one can really like get the best treatment for her or anything. When I tell you there are certain scenes that you feel like you've got a Wendy, like you've got like a little portion of a real Wendy Williams person in there. And then there's certain scenes. That's why I'm telling you the timeline felt like skewed of the editing of the documentary because there's certain, like she looks so different in every scene. There are certain scenes where her Graves disease, which is like those bulging eyes, is so intense and her alcoholism and they say uh, her son's diagnosed, said she was diagnosed with alcohol-induced dementia, was so intense that it's, it's a ghost of a person that's left there. She forgets that she's in Los Angeles when she's here. She doesn't remember people's, you know, locations, names. She has no memory of, you know, certain things. There was this one scene that was so insane to watch. And it was her um, trying to get a vape. Okay. So she's addicted to alcohol and she vapes. And she's in the car with her driver who said that her memory is just getting worse and worse and worse. He's known her for a year and the way she treated him, the way she treats people around her, those like those closest to her is quite shocking. Like abusive, like you wouldn't believe, verbally abusive. She, she has her publicist, Sean. Let's talk about Sean for just a second, in a second. And she's wanting to go to get these vapes from this one specific smoke shop. And she knows of it because it's exactly a certain location or distance from where the Wendy Williams show was. She is driving there and they get to the smoke shop. And Wendy is convinced when I tell you convinced, convinced, convinced that this was not the one. This was not the the smoke shop. And everyone's like, no, this is the one. Sean goes in there, gets something. She comes out there. She gets attacked by Wendy, Wendy basically like yelled at. Sean then has to go back in and return it, come back out. Wendy is convinced and starts yelling at the driver, take me to the Wendy Williams show so that we can, I can show you where we can come back here. And he does. And they come right back around and it's the exact same smoke shop. And she's like, this isn't it. Like, take me to the Wendy Williams show. And they had to do it again. It's crazy to watch on TV. And I cannot believe I cannot believe they let this air. I don't know if it was like a contractual thing where they had to let this air. I don't know if she needed to get the money. So they had to air it. I don't know. It is so triggering and upsetting for anyone that has dealt with alcoholism in their own personal life or with someone close to them. I have never dealt with any alcoholism in my personal life or with someone close to me that is that extreme. But the way that she turns on people is so intense. Like she'll just be talking to one of the producers on the documentary and they'll ask one question. She'll be talking to them. They'll ask one question and she'll be like, I don't like you. Get out. Get out of my room. Get out of here. Get out of here. It is wild. Now, Will, her manager, does seem like he has a heart of gold, but he's still her manager. So he still has to like kind of get her. He's still trying to get her like financially set, but he knows that she's not well. He was a jeweler. Like, I don't know how this worked. They used to party together and now he's her manager. But I do think he has a good head on her shoulder, on his shoulders. And he does everything he possibly can to 
keep alcohol away from her as if he has like an actual chance here. They'll go to dinner. She'll ask for wine. He'll have to run over to the server, the bartender, whatever, and say like, do not give her wine, give her a virgin drink. And what's crazy about it is she'll get a virgin drink, a martini or whatever, and she'll drink it. And she doesn't know the difference because she's that out of her mind drunk or dementia. I don't know. So she'll drink a virgin drink thinking she's having cocktails. And and we all know you, you know, usually if you have alcohol in your drink or not. Um, on the plane, he said that he had to tell the stewardess to give her apple juice and say it was apple flavored scotch. In the hotel, when they come to Miami, he's checking everything and like clearing it all of the alcohol. It is awful. Sean, this publicist, I have no idea where she met Sean. I have no idea how Sean came in, but Sean is a hanger on. Sean is a publicist, I'm quote, I'm using quotes, who's getting paid by Wendy, but is also a friend. She allows Wendy to drink. She enables every single thing about her. And she is delusional in the sense that she thinks Wendy is in the right sane mind to fly to Los Angeles and meet with NBC. That whole scene or the, that series of scenes, Wendy comes out to Los Angeles to meet with NBC Universal. And she is convinced that this is it. This is going to be the moment. We're going to get a show where I'm back. I'm going to be back on TV because she's so delusional with her, with her illness. And Sean is giving her all of the feelings. Yes, you are, Wendy. Yes, I feel like this is going to work. And she takes her to lunch. I want to say it was like Castaway up in Burbank. She takes her to lunch and she lets her order freaking martinis right before her meeting with NBC. They go to the meeting. Clearly, it didn't go well. But she, but Will, her manager, was like, what kind of a woman thinks that she's in the position that she should be going to meet with NBC? Like, this is crazy. Now, her son. Her son and her nephew and niece seem so kind and so sweet and so lovely. And I feel so bad for her son. I feel so bad for him because he is of this kind of like place where, you know, he, he just wants her to be healthy. And he's like, she shouldn't be on a talk show. She shouldn't be focusing on getting work. She needs to be focusing on her health. There is, I don't know where this story goes with Wendy Williams. I don't know. But I did see a couple scenes that brought me almost to tears. The scene with Black China, the scene with who she calls, I believe it's Angelina is her name. Now, I only know really Black China. Obviously, I know the name Black China, but I only really know Black China from the Kardashians. Like she was the one that had a baby with Rob Kardashian. Black China was so sweet with her. They had like a strong relationship, a strong, strong friendship. And she went to her and she just like held her. And Wendy Williams takes off her wig and she pulls off her shoes and she has really, really, you know, unhealthy, an unhealthy body where she doesn't, she has her feet are blown up and she lost sensitivity and she was obsessed with this idea. Like, I want to show the world, take the wig off, take off my shoes, dress in the way I want to dress. <laughs> it was, you guys, it was bad. So will you be watching it? Probably. I think so many of you will watch it. I'm sure the numbers are going to go do very well for lifetime. But did I feel good watching it? Not at all. Did I want to watch it? No. And did I want Wendy to, like, I don't want Wendy to be on TV. I don't want Wendy to be on a podcast. Like, Wendy Williams needs to be under, like, serious medical care. And I don't know what that looks like because she's got such anger and she yells at everyone that, like, wants to kind of control her. She said, I love my sister Wanda, but Wanda doesn't like the fact that I, I like liquor. I love my son, but he doesn't like the fact that I love liquor and I love liquor. She's like, uh, I'm nothing's stopping me. I'm I'm drinking. You get to drink. Why can't I? Liquor, alcohol has ruined Wendy Williams' life. 
it's so scary and sad to watch. And I wish that there was like an honest, real way for her to get help because when they sent her to a rehab, she came back and she was very upset about it. She didn't feel like she deserved to be there. She shouldn't have been there. And that never works for like, you never get better when you don't want to be there, you know? (sighs) It was a depressing, depressing four hours of TV. I'll tell you that. So let's hope and pray for Wendy Williams. I really wish the best for her and I wish the best for her sweet, sweet family. And, um, and they just seem kind and good people. And I want that Sean woman to go away. I'm going to watch the end. Thank you. I hear watch the end and you'll be more hopeful. I hope so. I really do. I really hope so. But there's a hard, it's hard for me to, uh, you know, really feel good about the situation. Now, publicist Sean, she's on Instagram. Interesting. Interesting. We'll have to see where publicist Sean goes in life. All right, you guys. Um, thank you so much for being here. I will see you guys tomorrow. We're obviously going to have so much more to talk about because that's the way it works on Daily Dose of Donna. There's always something to chat about. Thank you, ZipRecruiter, for sponsoring the show. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye, y'all.